0: And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous
1: that they do it. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, rah, rah,
2: zip, boom, ba boo. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known
3: to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film.
2: Hey, I'm Coach Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've
3: won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life.
2: Gas
4: control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that?
5: Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? Hey, buddy. How are you today? <laughs> 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 so you're on Rick Barnes' watch like everybody else there on Rocky oh Top? Oh, my God, Mike. I mean, it is
4: just it, – it has been a stressful 24 hours here. Last night, you know, we got the news that uh, Rick's probably going to UCLA. We got Phil Former meeting him. We got all these these Twitter heads coming out. With uh, fake news talking about it's a done deal. It's just, it's miserable. And, you know, I'm getting it from everywhere. I can't get on, I don't even want to get on Twitter. Yeah, I I go to work, people, that's all they want to talk about. And then when I come home, it's just text text messages like, what the hell is Rick doing? You know, he's praying about it. So, I'm like, you know, it's driving me nuts, and I know it's a big decision. I don't really know what's going on, but there's nothing coming out, so we don't know exactly where this goes. And uh, and and I'm trying to, man, I'm trying to be healthy, you know. I quit. I'm trying to quit the beers, and you know, and then Rick does something like this. (laughs) He's driving (laughs) you to drinking. (laughs)
5: Driving me to drinking again, man. This water ain't cutting it. There ain't enough proof in this water, man. Well, that may be the big news there on Rocky Top, Shane, but did you hear the big news out of Texas? Johnny Manziel has changed his name. Oh, my God. What is it now? P. Diddy? (laughs) J. J Diddy? Oh, the artist formerly known as Johnny Football was on the Dan Patrick Show on Monday. Uh, Let's cut to this clip, then we'll discuss it.
2: Johnny Manziel, Heisman Trophy winner, former NFL player, played in the CFL and then had a little bit of time in the Alliance of American Football, but now that league has disbanded. And Johnny joins us now. Good morning, Johnny. How are you? Good morning,
0: my friend. How are you? i I, I got a little update, but I actually I actually go by John these days. So you know, I'm just kind of turning over the page and moving forward a little bit.
2: Okay, is this breaking news that Johnny Manziel is no? You're the artist formerly known as Johnny Manziel. All right. You, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's what they say. John Manziel joining us uh, on the program. <laughs>
5: All right, Shane. So Johnny, he's dropped the N-Y. He's just John Manziel, and the way I figure it. John Manziel has never gotten his shot at the NFL. He's never blown that opportunity. What, what do you think about this one? Yeah, maybe if you
4: you know you change your name and they Google you, you can't you know you're gonna get better results or something. I don't know. I just uh, whatever, Johnny. I, I mean, we're gonna be talking about this kid till we retire, man. I, it just feels like you know. It's like Johnny's just always gonna be in the news, and and what sucks is he's not capitalizing on it. It feels like you know he should be more involved with the media because obviously the football is not working. But people recognize him, and he's on all these shows and stuff. He really needs to create himself a little brand here and try to you know, make some money off this. Yeah, I mean, the dude's only 26 years old, I believe, so, I mean, (laughs) he's still got potential. Absolutely. I mean, you kicked out of the NFL. You kicked out of Canada. The AAF just shut the door, like, when you got there. You know, you were supposed to be the saving (laughs) grace, and it's just like... Dude, you, this ain't it. You know, you've you've had a good run. Let's 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 go to phase two. Let's see what else we can do with this. You know, <laughs> Texas A&M
5: assistant coach. I can see it now. Oh man, do you think they'd have him back? I, yeah, I Jimbo's embraced him. They come there for the pro days and whatnot. I think not as a not as a full fledged assistant, but mm-hmm. I honestly think they'd have him as some kind of GA something. I think. Why why the hell not?
4: Yeah, I could see. And, and commentating, you know, he's got a you know a pretty good voice. I mean, you hear it on this interview that he was doing, and you know, he could probably do something. You know, start out small. Uh, you know, I don't know.
5: Yeah, we wasted enough time about okay. Manziel. Yeah. Let's yeah. go around the league. huh? <laughs> let's do it now. Let's go, now around, around, the go league.
0: around the league. Um, we we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So. You
4: know,
0: I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
1: No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our play. I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's
0: going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice
3: is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to
5: work. All right, Shane, starting in Tuscaloosa. Roll time! A little bit uh, the latest Nick Saban rant came this weekend. He went off, Shane. He was asked about... You know, all these early departures to the NFL and how his program didn't really have to deal with that, obviously, when he first got there because they didn't have this elite talent. But now, obviously, he does. And they just had seven guys declare early for the NFL, the most ever under Nick Saban there at Alabama. And that really ticked Nick Saban off. He went on quite (laughs) the rant. We're going to play this whole rant here, and then we'll discuss it.
0: I think there's no question that it's different, but I don't think it's any different here than it is every place else. Now, we've had this conversation, I think, before, but I don't know, I've heard, I don't really look at it, I've heard 135 guys, I 142 guys went out early for the draft. Uh, I do know there's some pretty compelling stats out there about guys going out early for the draft. Uh, I think in the last five years, not counting this year, there's been 380 players or thereabouts go out early for the draft, and 25% of those guys didn't even get drafted and another 25% weren't on a team in three years. So that means 50% of the guys that went out early for the draft had failed careers. But if you look at the number of guys that were first and second round draft picks, there were very few guys that have failed careers. Now we have guys that have no draft grades, seventh round grades, free agent grades, fifth round grades that are going out for the draft. And, you know, the person that loses in that is the player. Um, you know, you you're a third round draft pick, and we had one here last year. I'm not mentioning any names. Um, goes and starts for his team, so he's making third round money, which is not that great. Be the first guy taken in his position this year, probably, and make 15, 18 million dollars more. So the agent makes out, the club makes out. Now they got a guy that's going to play for that kind of money for f- three more years. right and everybody's out there saying, "We'll get to your next contract." Well, there's obviously a pretty 50% of these guys are never getting to a next contract. Uh, and that doesn't mean all the rest of them got to one either. So uh, it's the culture and it's the trend. And, you know, I've, I've actually changed how I talk to recruits now. You know, I tell every recruit that I talk to the reason that you're going to college is to prepare yourself for the day you can't play football. I think we have a lot of people way back in high school. that look at college as a conduit to get to the NFL. And look, I am 100% NFL. I'm 100% guys having careers. But people have to be smart about the business decisions they make relative to the NFL because it is all business. And when people make emotional decisions, they're going to have to suffer some really difficult consequences for themselves in the future. Because you don't have to go out for the draft early, you can come back and play. We've had six or seven guys here that had second and third round grades that became top fifteen and first round draft picks and made a significant amount of money doing that. Uh, so there's some really good examples of guys that did it that way, and um, you know. So I, I just and look, I'm all for every one of our guys that went off for the draft. I'm going to do everything I can do to try to get them drafted as high as they can get drafted, Because right? once they say they're leaving. What benefits our program is that they do great, and I want them all to do great, Uh, but I don't think that not just our players, there's a significant amount of players that are not making good business decisions about what they do and yeah, it affects our team, but our team turns over more quickly. We just have to have more better young guys that can go out there and learn how to play and provide depth to the team, and it's not going to be an excuse for what kind of quality we put on the field. We just got to do a better job of coaching because we got to do a better job of developing young players because they're going to have to play more quickly.
5: All right, Shane. Now, he didn't throw old Ronnie Harrison under the bus there, but (laughs) that's, that's exactly who he was talking about. I mean, you can't Give that much information and then just say, Well, hell, I'm not going to say his name. I mean, people are going to figure it out pretty pretty easily there. Dude, he said, I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but he was a third round pick. Well, uh, if you, a quick Google search, you
4: realize <laughs> Alabama only had one third round pick last year. So <laughs> it did not take long to figure out who he was talking about, but. But, man, he's uh, he's a little frustrated with the situation. I mean, you know, that's where Alabama's at. That's where these big schools are at right now. You know, they've got these juniors that can go pro. So, uh, what are your thoughts on it?
5: Well, I got a lot of thoughts on it, but I understand where Nick Saban's coming from. And I understand, you know, anytime he says something, most people are like, oh, that asshole, like, to hell with him. I think he comes from a good place because he's obviously an older guy, he's a very wise person. Some people are gonna read into this saying, well, he just cares about Alabama football. And while that there is obviously truth to that, you know, I think he's kind of he's trying to help these guys if they come back and he he believes that more time in his system and his program is gonna help their stock. And you've we've seen that time and time again. He's helped a lot of people, but I would also say that we've seen a lot of his guys not a, not a high percentage but several of them they must live a very 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 structured life there at Tuscaloosa and I'm I'm sure that's by design. I mean these guys and they have no issues ever at Alabama. Mhm. And then as well, soon as they yeah. get to the NFL and I'm like I, it is it is probably about you know six or seven dudes I'm talking about here. But Ron, do you think it's I mean do you think that it's because uh, Tuscaloosa so isolated
4: I mean I, I just just curious you know I, I wonder if it matters about the city you know because there's always been a kind of like a, a bad vibe with uh let's say Florida Gators you know but Gainesville a huge city you know and, it, and it's maybe it opens up more opportunities do you think that has something to do with it or do you think just because they are young and dumb and and got a full of, you know, got ton of money and, and just cut loose. Do you think there's, I, I don't know. It, it seems like that they are making that they have these classes for these incoming rookies and, 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 things to help them prepare for success and, and monies. And, but I don't know if maybe there's not enough going into that, you know, or if they're not learning from it, but I don't know.
5: It's, well, I, think, I mean, I think the key there is just basically never having this kind of money in your life. Because most people don't, and then just getting it all thrown at you at once, and being young and being successful, and thinking you're on top of the world because they basically were up until when they get to the NFL. Yeah, and like I said, they don't live in that structured environment. That's where the issues come from.
4: Well, let's let's say this though. I take football out of it for a second. Here you got these kids. Let's say, for instance, you're at a an internship, and your your supervisor comes up to you and says, "Hey, Mike, you know, stick around here one more year. We're not going to pay you anything. You stick around one more year, we could probably land you one of these sweet gigs and get you, you know, two hundred thousand a year.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But I mean, you could go now. This company will hire you for a hundred. Uh, you have potential to move up and even go to those other places. You know, the the harder you work and the more you prove yourself." I mean, a lot of this, I could see how a lot of people are are saying, you know, Saban's a great guy for uh, looking out for his players and getting more money. But what if, what if, you know, John Smith comes back next year and blows a knee and then he doesn't Mm -hmm. have that opportunity to go to the league and, and that's on you coach, you know what I'm saying? So, right. I, I agree that there are there are a lot of circumstances uh revolving around this. I've seen a lot of teams have players go uh or or say they're going to go to the draft, never get drafted, never hear from them again. You know, uh I think there needs to be maybe more maybe a better evaluation like if you know that there's a good chance you're going to be a late round potentially not drafted You know, maybe there's a a, some they can sit these kids down and say, hey, listen, you know, maybe coming back wouldn't be a bad idea for you. Finish your college education. You know, something to fall back on if football doesn't work out for you. But if they go in and they say, hey, you may be a third round pick. Well, then, man, I'm not going to fault the guy for going for a third
5: round pick. I would if I had the opportunity. Yeah. And that's that's one of the key things I wanted to hit on, because I'm not. Well, you know, I didn't want to throw Saban under the bus there. I'm not buying that argument that, hell, he's getting a third-round grade or whatever, or fourth-round or fifth-round. If he comes back, he could be a first-round. Yes, that does happen. We're looking at that right now with Kentucky the linebacker Josh Allen. I think that was kind of his grade a year mm-hmm. ago. It was maybe like third-rounder. I don't know the specific round, but it was not a first-rounder. And now he may be a top-ten pick. He likely will be. So it certainly can happen. But that's a big gamble. You Like you said there, you blow out your knee, you're going undrafted. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a huge risk. And here's another one that I know Saban knows, but he didn't even mention it, and people that don't follow the NFL may not know, and they may they likely don't factor this in. But if you are a first-round pick, Shane, in the NFL, basically an NFL team owns you for five years. Now, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting paid. I'm, I'm not suggesting they're you know, anything other, they're getting a lot of money, but Rock. the team owns their rights for five seasons. Now, if you're a second round pick, they own your rights for four seasons. And then if you go third and later, I believe it is, you are a three three years uh, locked up to a deal. And why that's significant? Because in those th- after those three years, you could sign a max contract and, and you could end up making more than the guys that went in the first round and the second round ahead of you. Yeah. So you basically, while you're you're not going back to Alabama, art he's already getting paid. We're talking about Ronnie Harrison, and he's a, if he continues to play well, he's that much closer to a huge payday. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I can't blame him. I mean, he's getting paid. He's producing at the NFL level. Saban says he could have came back and been a higher round pick potentially, but. And another way I look at it is he's a he's a year closer to hitting that jackpot of hitting yeah. that NFL free agency. Absolutely. It's it's a gamble whatever way you take.
4: Saban wants to keep these guys on the field. You know, he would love to have five-year seniors, you know, fifth-year seniors, uh, not be able to give out scholarships, just have all the depth he would ever need. That's what he would want, and that's what Alabama fans would want. You know, I'm sure they they wish the best for their players when they go to the draft and, and they're in the NFL. I do that. I root for Tennessee guys in the, in the draft and uh, in the NFL, but I would have loved for uh Camara to come back. You know what I'm saying? I would have loved for uh, some of these other guys that we had go to the end Cordero Patterson, you know, stay another year. There was the selfish side of me would want him to come back. And if I could convince him that he may get a better draft spot. If he does that, then I'm going to do that. I mean, he's a salesman. So uh, the I, I say all that to say this, Mike. The opportunities to play at the next level are extremely slim. And I believe, I truly believe, if you have the opportunity, uh, some of these guys have kids, you know, some of mm-hmm. them have families that that they, they want to support and this was an opportunity for them to get in the NFL. And who's to say, uh, you know, like you're a first-round pick, you know, if you're on a team like Alabama, your your stock may be a little bit higher because the players around you are a little bit better. I, I saw this, like, with Mississippi State last year. I think that's a reason a lot of these guys declared for the draft because they knew the following year was going to be a struggle, and this was the highest – you know, that they were going to be showcased just because of the talent that was around them on that defense. So I just I, – I think it was just a perfect opportunity uh, for, for some of these guys to go to the next level. And does it suck? Yes, but, I mean, you got to remember, if you've got – we talked – how many people? Seven went to the draft?
5: Juniors? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mean, uh, Quentin Williams was a redshirt sophomore,
4: so. Okay, yeah, I mean, so – we're talking a handful, and this is just Alabama. There, you could take ten other teams, and they didn't have seven juniors go to the uh, to the draft. So, yeah, I mean, it's slim opportunities. You got to take it when you get it.
5: Yeah, well said, Shane. And I just think, I don't know, Saban's made so much money off a lot of these guys. I just don't think, and I don't think it's right for any of these coaches. You may disagree with a guy's decision. You may tell them why you disagree, and I respect. I respect, fully respect all that, but I just don't think it's right to come out publicly and, and make these comments because, it, like you said, every situation is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there's guys that are probably going to go and not get drafted, but maybe hey, they can sign unrestricted free agent contracts, and they're still they're making more than they would if they came back to school. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't think it's, it's any coach's right to say, to say these things personally. And then here, we got Ronnie Harrison actually responded. I thought this was great. He responded on Twitter. So here's a tweet that Ronnie Harrison put out. Coaches get so butt hurt nowadays about a kid making a decision to live out his dreams and go pro. Makes me think: Do you really care about the success of the kid or how well your program performs? Oh so that's pretty. That's pretty rough. And then I don't know if you saw this, Shane, but Lane Kiffin has come out uh, on here on Monday and he kind of b- backed that up saying hey if you got a chance to go you got to go and and you know there's guys like Matt Barkley his former USC quarterback who you know they were telling him was going to be a first round pick he came back for his senior year he fell to the I think it was the 4th or 5th round so
2: mm-hmm.
5: I mean if you're getting that grade I think you got to go
4: yeah for sure and Alabama one thing about Alabama they got a lot of young talent what if one of these guys lost their starting position and then now they're not even thought about going into the draft, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. you got to strike while the iron's hot, man, because there's always somebody ready to take your job. There's always, there's always variables. Things can happen. If you have an opportunity to go, I don't blame them now blasting the coach. You know, that's, I, I get, I mean, if you look at these comments on this uh, we'll put it on the Reddit page, but if, If you look at the comments that are underneath this, it was just a lot of bashing, man. A lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, forget they were rooting for this kid on Saturdays. And now he spoke his mind just like Coach Saban did. And we're going to bash him because we disagree with what he said. Oh, he also said, hashtag,
5: keep my name out your mouth.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I did see that. I mean, he probably could have toned it down. He probably could have said some better words himself, but – Uh, I'm guessing he's not going to be at the spring game Saturday.
5: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, on a lighter note, let's jump down to Gainesville. Dan Mullen met with media on Monday and uh, he had his presser. And of course, Shane, the Gator coach, he cannot go to the podium without calling shots at somebody. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm liking these these comments from Mullen. This one is a lot more makes a lot more sense than his last one, so I really appreciated this one. But oh, we're gonna cut to Dan Mullen. There's actually two comments I wanted to add here, but the first one this is kind of important. The Gators, what he goals exiting the spring because of of course the Florida spring games coming up on Saturday, but then mm-hmm. after that. The second comment, he was asked about spring attendance and how important that is. And that's when he takes a (laughs) shot here at old Florida State.
1: Well, you know, I mean, you're hoping to see a foundation of of guys that are ready to go play, Um, which, you know, you feel there's obviously you feel already feel good about a bunch that, you know, Saturday after probably felt pretty good about those a, lot of, a bunch of guys before we even started spring practice, that they've played a bunch of football. And uh, you hope, though, that they're continuing to make improvements. Uh, for us, the, the biggest thing is we've got to continue to build depth. So hopefully there's, um, you know, we add some more guys that we feel comfortable that are ready to play, knowing we still have, 20, you know, a summer and 25 more practices. A lot of people get competitive with spring game attendance. Yeah. Might even put their thumb on the scale a little bit, so to speak. Uh, does, it mat- does it matter to you with the attendance? Uh, no, the more the better for me. Um, and the other reason I say that is because you create the a, environment, you create an exciting environment for recruiting one, um, for all the recruits that we have on campus, uh, but also the pressure for the players, you know, because there's a lot of guys that haven't played in front of the crowd before. Uh, so there will be times you're going to roll some guys out there on the field that you want to see – you know, it's one thing when we're on the practice field and, you know, it's not that big a deal. Or even, you know, scrimmages are a little bit different because you're in the stadium. But now in the spring game, I'm a young player. I get to go in the stadium and there's a lot of people watching. Um, you know, and that, that's, that, that can change the psyche of an 18-, 19-year-old kid. And so, uh, I was talking about the number, too. Yeah, it would be great. I don't think we – I don't know. Did we fudge it last year or no? I think <laughs> ours was legit last year. I do think some. I mean, I've I've I know this. I have fudged it before. How oh, you've had that before? Well, like for like, not like ridiculously, but for like silly stuff. <laughs> maybe like maybe the attendance matches the score of a certain game or something okay. like that during the season. No, um, that we've done that type of stuff before. One last one. Rec- <laughs> the- yeah, like yeah. If you go yeah forty one thousand fourteen. Yeah, forty-one thousand one hundred and forty, right or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, you kind of like do stuff like that. Maybe I don't know. have some fun. All right, Shane. So
5: we're we're always asking for these coaches to get a uh, little bit more entertaining, and it looks like Dan Mullen is stepping up to the plate and becoming one of those guys.
4: Do you know why, Mike? Because this pressure was twenty-two minutes long. That is more than double any of the other coaches here. I've. This is this is what I, and this is a great comment. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that's hilarious. I, I could see Dan doing something like he feels like a prankster. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could see Dan, you know, putting saran wrap on the toilet and all this stuff, just giggling and getting the guys going and stuff. I just that's a Dan move and it does not surprise me. <laughs> what I hate about it is for 22 minutes he sat down there and these reporters pretty much asked about this guy and then this guy, and then this. I mean, they went to the complete roster. I mean, here you got a coach that's open, and eventually he's going to make a mistake, and it's going to catch the the newspaper headline, and, and this was it, 18 minutes in. But <laughs> do you know what Saban said on at his 18-minute mark? Uh, I,
5: I would say he didn't even go that long. He didn't. He was halfway
4: to his <laughs> lake house by 18 minutes, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so and these reporters, if they would get a little more creative with their questioning down there, this could be the guy. This could be our our Spurrier, you know, where we could get his comments just all the time. And and uh, of course, if he stays up there for forty minutes, I guess they're gonna eventually catch one.
5: <laughs> well, speaking of Spurrier, Shane, you know, he's like an honorary—I don't want to say coach. I don't—I don't know what his title is down there, but he works down there. Mm-hmm. And he had to, uh, you know, leave that position for the AAF, and now he's back. Did you hear what he said upon his arrival? <laughs> Uh, I want my job back? I don't know. What would he say? Apparently, he walked in the door and said, I'm back, y'all, sooner than you thought. And then he just went <laughs> into his office.
4: <laughs>
5: Without a shirt. You know, just walking
4: around campus. I love it. Uh, I think it worked out perfect. You know, uh, I saw somebody tweeted something that about AAF folding right mm-hmm. before the Masters. You know, and it had Spur Your Dance and so... Uh, I think that's where he's going to be this week.
5: (laughs) All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East, let's jump down to
3: Athens.
5: (laughs) Kirby Smart met with the media recently, and uh, he didn't have a ton to offer up, but I thought the most interesting comments he had, he had some comments on his defensive line and going up against, uh, obviously, the offensive line that's already being touted as one of the best in the nation. And let's just jump to these comments from Kirby Smart and then I got a question to ask you on the back end.
3: Difference makers I, I think Tyler Clark's a difference maker when he when he wants to be when he's playing really hard and, and playing quick um, in a very unique way Jordan Davis is a difference maker. I mean he's he's not explosive and quick but he's a mountain of a man and he's hard to move and in the SEC you need a guy like that. Um, are you saying an elite three technique? You know, guy that's quick and twitchy. We don't have that right now. No, we're certainly trying to recruit it, but we got some edge guys. And when you count the defensive line, you know, you sometimes count the defensive ends. I thought Nolan played with a high motor today and played really explosive. He's 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 got to get more physical in the run game, but he he certainly plays hard. And uh, you know he's out there because he covers down and, and makes plays. High
1: expectations offense.
3: It was hit or miss. I mean, again, I started out with probably disappointing at the beginning, and the defense was playing with more of a chip on the shoulder, and then as the scrimmage progressed into the third down in the red area and a lot of the other situations, the the offense assertives it itself, especially in the red area. So it, was, it can't be that incons- inconsistent for the expectations of what we want our offense to be physicality-wise. We've got
5: to be more consistent doing it, but at times they did do it. All right, Shane. So, like I said, nothing too, you know, earth shattering there from Kirby's comments. But I did want to make a note that obviously he's talking about Nolan Smith, once again, the number one high school player in the nation. He's already making some big plays. He stated that on a previous podcast. But the real thing I wanted to ask you here, Shane, how much can this defensive line be expected to grow? going up against this offensive line if they just keep getting dominated. I know, obviously, you'd expect them to step up to the level of competition, but maybe that's not even what I'm trying to say here. But how good of a read can Georgia get on their defensive line going up against this offensive line, do you think? Uh, I think
4: when you practice against the best, you become the best yourself. I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, teams like Georgia and Alabama, when they got the ones going against the ones, I think that's why they do so well against these top-tier teams when they come out and, and start playing at the start of season, just because they're, they're so much more prepared than a lot of other teams. Um, I think the offensive defensive line is the same. I, I, I've, I've said it a hundred times. I really do think Georgia's got the best offensive line in the conference, and that only helps the defense because if you get your ass smoked in practice, you know, and it's it's June or July and you're thinking about, man, you know, Mays took me up and down the field. You know, I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm I'm as big as he is. I mean, that's going to make motivate me to get in that in that weight room and, and you know work on my craft. So when we come back out for fall ball, there's not as much separation. So if they use this right, which they will, uh, I think it's going to be
5: a great motivating tool uh, during the off season. Is any concern at all? We're part of it too. We keep hyping up this offensive line any concern that maybe they're not as good. Like if they're just going up against a defensive line that can't match them and they're just overpowering them, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and then it turns out that, hell, the defensive line wasn't any count and that maybe that's why the offensive line was was looking so good.
4: Well, one thing that worries me, if if one side's doing better than the other, and, and this is something Kirby brought up in this press conference, was he was talking about Fromm, about him sitting back there getting bored. You know, this isn't his first rodeo. He knows the offense. He knows the defense. And he knows if they move something, what he needs to do. So it's like he's ahead of the curve because he's been there so long and he's just got a great feel of the game. So, you know, it's his, at that point, it's his job to make sure that the little things, kind of like Alabama and Tua talking about the little things became big problems Mm -hmm. later. You know, if the offensive line has got some serious captains front if they noticed something yes maybe they got a good block or got lucky and and swift took it off for a touchdown big explosive play but if they saw something that could have been corrected that if they were going against a team like Alabama or LSU or somebody like that and uh, maybe had a better defensive front then those little mistakes are going to get exposed. So that's where film study comes in, man. Uh, You know, when Kirby gets back and he's looking at the film and they break down to their their individual groups, that offensive line, even though they may be dominant, I guarantee Pittman's in there saying, okay, this is what you did wrong. This is what you, you know, he's constantly critiquing them. So if they perfect their art, then hopefully it'll show when the season starts, you know?
5: Yeah, and I think, Honestly, I think I'm just trying to nitpick Georgia's roster at this point because I don't think there's going to be many weaknesses. Mm-mm. And they talk about the defensive line maybe not being there. But, once again, we've hit on it before. The number one prospect in the nation, number one junior college prospect in the nation. <laughs> I mean, these guys, they may not be ready right now, but they've got well, se- several months to get get in that position.
4: I will tell you, during spring, we've heard it a few times, Kirby, talking about the wide receivers. And uh, one of the things he brought up today, which was interesting, I didn't even really think about it, but in spring, you know, an advantage to those early enrollees and, and the people that are coming back, you know, this is their opportunity to prove that they belong, that they belong on the first team. And I'm not feeling that vibe when he comes out and he talks about these receivers. But one thing he mentioned is when we, because in fall, when we bring these freshmen in, we're going to have to give them even more reps because we want to see what they can do and how they develop. So these guys may be getting all the ones right now, but when fall comes, even though they may be a contender for the ones, they're going to have these young guys in there trying to see what they've got and, and try to find the best 11. So I I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm not feeling confident about the wide receivers because, like I said, everything at Kirby says, he, he just – I mean, there's a few things you can pick that he he liked, but he was pretty negative about the whole core. Yeah,
5: well, I just think when that offensive line is mauling people, it's not going to matter who if they got <laughs> no one to throw the ball to.
4: That's true, man. A great—that's what a lot of people don't realize. A great offensive line makes everyone better. I don't—I'm not saying that it's the most important position, uh, but I—I I really, actually, I am. I—I I, I think a quarterback is important. Obviously, because they touch the ball every time, but not with Georgia as much as they run the ball. I think it's all about those those big hogs up front, and if they if they become a, a solid unit like I think they're going to, it's going to make everyone else around them better. So, including the receivers, because when you go with the play action fake and they got eight in the box. I mean, From is so accurate that he could pick apart, and as long as the guy catches it, they're going to get a, a positive yard, you know. So uh, I think it all starts with the line,
5: and, and Georgia
4: should feel pretty good.
5: All right, Shane, let's jump back to the SEC West. We haven't done Mississippi State in a while. We haven't had much good audio to to run here, but we finally got Joe Moorhead after uh scrimmage there at Mississippi State. And – He's talking quarterback shame because obviously Nick Fitzgerald struggled with this offense, Keaton Thompson, for whatever reason, it didn't seem like the coaching staff very high on him, uh, but he's back. He's going to, you know, we've, we've hit on it before. It seems like this is his offense. This is his team. And that's something, uh, you know, Joe Morehead talks about his progression, but he's quick to note the other quarterbacks here in the spring in Starkville. Uh, let's jump to Joe Moorhead's comments and then uh,
2: and then we'll discuss it. They'll never be where we want them, but uh, I think we are taking strides. And uh, I think, you know, it's kind of all relative to experience. So I think K- KT has, has done what we've expected from a, a, you know, quarterback in year two of the offense. Uh, you know, Jalen has definitely taken strides forward. Uh, you know in a run game, in the pass game, and some of the stuff that you're not seeing with the, the two quarterback or one quarterback, is quarterback run game, that's something where, you know, we uh, – you know we're going to continue to do that, but we want to focus on the things that we feel we need the most improvement. And you know, Garrett's—he's uh, swimming a little bit just from a, an understanding and a speed of the game. And but uh, he's got a lot, a lot of ability and a lot of potential. And I think you see that. when Sometimes he'll make a throw in practice, and it's the complete wrong read. But it's—it's it's a laser, and it's caught, and it's—it's it's a big play. But uh, you know his thing is just going to be—you know—understanding what's going on. Not, and he's worried about the hows now, uh, and everyone else is worrying about the whats and whys. I'm sorry. How do you coach around
4: when it? When a guy makes a great play, but it's not the right
2: one. You pat him on the back, you tell him great job, but you explain to him why in the future it, it probably wouldn't work out well. And, and that, that historically, I don't think you want to coach the player out of them. And I think that's some, th- some things that, uh, you know, particularly quarterback coaches you know fall into that trap where you want them to be so ingrained into the assignment, uh, into the footwork, into the read and the throw, you, you, you coach some of the ball player out of them. And, uh, you know, with, with Trace and with Nick and, you know, hopefully with these guys, you want to have enough that they understand the system and they're playing within the confines and structure of the scheme, but at the same time give them enough latitude where, you know, sometimes football players just make football plays. So it's, it's a delicate balance, but you definitely don't want to coach them out of it.
5: All right, Shane, so I don't know. These <laughs> comments did not were not very inspiring to me, and I, I just – I don't know. I, I hope Moorhead does well there at Mississippi State. Obviously, his offense struggled mightily last year, and he's an offensive guy, and if he can't get this thing going, hmm. uh, I mean, they I don't know that they have a future, you know?
4: Yeah, I was looking at the comments on this video. <laughs> I don't usually do that, but I was looking at these. There wasn't that many, and it was like half of them were like, did we make a mistake hiring this guy, you know? And the other ones are like, let's give him time, you know? Uh, that's one thing, Joe. He, he's a he's a tough one to read you know he'd be a, a great poker player i would think but he was a little excited about keton talking about him getting a little bit better a little bit better but you know it's joe doesn't light up much but he kind of lit up a little bit when he was talking about schrader he said uh once the game slows down and he can figure out and, and i'm paraphrasing this when when the game slows down he can uh progress do his read progressions and things uh he really loves arm strength on this kid he says there'll be sometimes he'll throw a laser and it gets caught but what he doesn't realize is he made the wrong read and this is something you know i mean spring ball he's young uh i think uh, he may have a better feeling of a quarterback situation going into next year, but I, I still think that this is Keaton's uh, team, you know?
5: Well, Shane, this is what I was going to drop on you. Yeah. I've heard the stats from the spring scrimmage of the weekend there in Starkville. Yeah. Keaton Thompson, 7 of 16, so not even 50% for 70 yards. Hmm. And then this <laughs> Garrett Schrader, 3 of 6 for 60 and a touchdown. So, I mean, oh, okay. it seems like the freshman, now he he did note there that he, he like you said, he made one huge play, but it was probably the wrong read, but <laughs> hell, at least he made it. Um, I don't know. It, <laughs> I think this is, I think there's a chance, now maybe I'm just reading way too much into the, something that happened in the spring here, but the fact that they just have never really been sold on Keaton based on pursuit of graduate transfers and never get, I mean, There was time and time they should have got him on the field last year, and they never did. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking that Garrett Schrader is going to be the starting quarterback by season's end. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. Can you read those stats to me again, Key Seven of 16 Mm -hmm. for 70 yards. Okay, so 10 yards a pop. So they're doing about five yards more than they did last year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so –
4: but. I will tell you, this fan base, and again, like you said, if you listen to fans, you end up sitting with them. I get that. But I don't think Joe wants to be embarrassed like he did last year with his offense. A lot of people thought he was going to be this offensive guru when he came down here, and that's the last thing we saw on that field. So if Keaton does get to start, which I think he will, and again, this is early, but I think he's going to have a lot shorter leash than, uh, than Nick did last year, you know?
5: Yeah, definitely. But I don't know. They've got to get that figured out. And, and like you said, he's offensive guru, but that's because everywhere he's been, literally everywhere he's been, that's been the, the situation. And it took a little while to get going there at Penn State, and then it exploded. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's – they had a couple games where Nick Fitzgerald just kind of willed them, but – Beyond that, I mean, they just didn't – they had nothing going for the most part. Oh, yeah.
4: Well, if you have a guy like Barkley on your team, you know, you'd hope that you would
5: be able to do something with that offense. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump over to the east. Mississippi State's cross-division opponent here. Let's go to Kentucky.
0: Oh,
5: Old Mark Stoops met with the media here recently and got to start off with this, Shane, because he had his own Coach O moment during his presser. Felt like we got a lot of good work in today. I was really pleased defensively. I
3: felt like a week ago, just kind of just kind of milled around on the field. Didn't have the intensity that we're looking for this week. Different story. Defense came out, uh, really played very dominant up front. We're very physical at the point of attack. We created some turnovers. You know, played good, played a really good scrimmage. So uh, I'm pleased.
5: I knew this was going to happen.
3: Hey, Cody, tell them to keep it down, man.
5: Coach O's not the only one capable of <laughs> screaming at players to shut up, is he? Yeah,
4: Coach O did a little bit better, right? <laughs> uh, hey, hey, buddy.
5: Um, now I think uh, – That's what still... Coach of the Year will get you. You're allowed to yell at people during the presser. Is there a
4: – do these guys – you said cross division. It just made me think. I mean, Mississippi State and Kentucky. I mean, is there – what is there? Is there something between – got to do some research on that. That may be a history lesson in the fall because i just uh, that has to be the one of the most odd other than south carolina and texas a&m mm-hmm. one of the most odd uh, you know division cross division deals um but
5: anyway sorry <laughs> little rabbit hole there but then i thought the most interesting comment here shane from mark stoops we got to talk about this i mean he i don't i've never heard a coach openly talk about it quite like this but he said Following the spring, Gunner Hoke may leave the program, and he's talked to him. You know, this spring he's he's talked about how impressive Gunner's looked, but now he's already talking about Gunner potentially leaving. So let's jump to these comments. I'm not sure.
3: I'll sit down with Gunnar next week, and we'll talk about his plans and see what he has. You know, planned. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're working our tail off with him, like we always do, and he's doing everything we ask him to do, like always. But uh, after the spring. Um, we could always sit down and talk and see what's best for him and his future. And uh, you know, of course, I want Gunnar here, but I'll be very supportive of him. You know, you, you know, whatever he decides to do.
5: Now, Shane, I really wanted to play that clip because, I mean, what a situation here! Obviously, Terry Wilson—he had his moments mm-hmm. last year, but if he does not progress as a passer, I mean, there's really only so far they can go with him, I think. Yeah. And if Gunner really has. I don't know. I don't know if you can make this switch. I guess that's my question to you, Shane. If if Gunner basically says, hey, I'm out if I because I think I've outperformed this guy and I'm still the backup. I mean, what does Mark Stoops do in that situation? I don't know, man. And I've,
4: i I this one caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting just the nonchalant say, Well, we hope he sticks around, you know. It just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't want any of my players thinking that way. If you're thinking that way, we'll talk about it in my office and and we'll address it accordingly. Well, first off, you ain't going to be taking more snaps from my team. I'm going to find out who my backup quarterback's going to be because Wilson, at times last year, I thought should have been benched. And, and uh, you know, if, if he has turned the leaf and he is uh, more efficient in the passing game, uh, I think Kentucky will be fine. I think they got a quarterback for two more years, and and I could see why somebody like Gunner would want to leave because he'd never get any playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe maybe that's a good sign. If you're a Kentucky fan, you're like saying, "Well, may, you know, he's on the sideline. He's with Stoops, and he's with Wilson, and maybe he's seeing something from Wilson saying, i 'I'm not going to be able to beat this guy out.' So you should, you know, I, <laughs> I'd like to make a positive out of a negative because after gunner if gunner leaves i mean you've got uh what's his name woods and and two true freshman quarterbacks backing him up so uh that's a scary thought with a mobile quarterback
5: yeah because he i mean obviously you kind of hit on it there he could get hurt at any time so Mm -hmm. i don't know this is a this is a troubling situation with kentucky trying to get their you know they need this offense to go forward and maybe terry wilson just has made that progression because last year I don't want to say he's rushed on the field. I mean he had a he had they had a great year. Mm-hmm. But he had only been there a short time, so maybe he really has made such progression to where there is left no doubt Hoke ho caster transfer. That's a good point. I never thought of that. But I don't know. This is definitely one to be monitoring because I don't maybe Arkansas can get old Gunner Hoke, you know, get <laughs> load up on him.
4: Load up, man. I love it. <laughs>
5: All right, Shane. Last team I got here, Texas A&M, old fast-talking Jimbo Fisher. Gigamag. Met with the media here recently and he had himself a little rant too, even when he was asked. I think he's just getting tired of being asked about Kellen Mond and his progression and how important that is to A&M's program.
1: Uh let's just jump to this one and then I got a question to ask you about it.
2: Well, well now. How
1: much depend on 11? Well, let me ask something. If Kellen's efficient and nobody blocks up front, nobody runs the route, and nobody – I mean, you, you, you put it on the quarterback all day. We, we don't understand. Football is an unbelievable team game that people still don't comprehend, and I'm not it, saying that to you, that you can't – those guys can't do it. But then at the end of the day, you got the ball in your hand and you got to try to erase those if, – if people make mistakes or not make it disastrous <laughs> where you throw it away or do things – or run it or milk the – you know, those situations. It's on the quarterback, there's no doubt. I mean, he's the main guy who has to do it. But you've got to work around him, and you've got to be able to – here's the other thing, he has to find guys that he trusts, that he knows will get open, or, will, or when he checks the run, who, what lineman we going to run it behind, or what back we going to give it to, or what tight end is going to make the block or the catch. I mean, it's, it's a two-way street for him to be able to execute. He has to get consistency from those guys so his game can grow too. All right, Shane, so you can kind
5: of see what I'm saying there. He's getting the questions <laughs> about Kellamon and then he starts going off on the rest of the damn team. <laughs> and, and here's my question to you, Shane. Do you think, based on what he's, Jimbo Fishers is seeing here in spring, I take this as Kellen Mon can only do so much and maybe the players around him need to step up their game. That's kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing from Jimbo Fisher in these comments. What about you?
4: Yeah. Um, actually, I thought this was one of the best comments we heard uh, today. And the reason is the quarterbacks – the coaches uh you know maybe some of the receivers maybe some of the running backs it seems like cornerbacks it just seems like those are the guys that are that have the biggest spotlight and it's just because you that's they usually are near the ball um but what you don't realize is that i mean this is a team effort and if all 11 aren't doing their job it's going to make it even harder for the other ones to do theirs. So you're, you're talking about somebody like Mon. If he's still going to a receiver and it needs to be a 10 and out, but the guy runs a 12 and out, and Mon threw it exactly where it was supposed to be, but it's picked off, you're going to think Mon messed up. So um, I think he, he hit the nail on the head. Again, maybe a good sign. Maybe Mont is there. Maybe he is motivating his team. Maybe he's doing 110% and coaches using this to motivate the other guys to, to work out just as hard as Mont. That's kind
5: of what it felt like to me. Yeah, either that Boy, Jimbo's just damn tired of being asked about <laughs> Kellen Mond. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I
4: tell you what, out of all these pressers, there's a few things I'm tired of hearing about. Um, one, this is one, talking about Mond, South Carolina. I don't, I, the the Bentley, I mean, Bentley, I, we, we didn't include it, but he had three, there was three questions asked to Bentley in his press conference. Two of them were about backup quarterbacks. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, that's the storylines, and I can see it molding uh, the further along we get here. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, some media days. I want to see who they go down there. But I guarantee
5: some of these guys are going to be asking the same daggone questions, man. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, Shane, that's all I got. You got anything before we hop off here?
4: Uh, No. uh, We did get a ghost review. I don't know who you are, but you do, and I appreciate you. Uh, five star heart And uh, if you got yourselves a little iPhone uh, If you could give us a five star rating on iTunes It really does help us out Appreciate everybody hanging out with us uh, If you don't have an iPhone Then who cares man Just hanging out Like I said spring ball uh, We we still got some content man
5: That feels good But boy we're about to hit the dark days man <laughs> Yeah we're getting everything we can Out of this spring We got a bunch of spring games coming up this weekend So uh, more to come. And like Shane said, give us a rating if you don't mind. That really helps us out. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You know, give us follows on there. And of course, the Reddit page, that SEC podcast. That's our uh, information on all those channels. So uh, that's all I got. Shane, thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. All right.
4: See you guys. Go, Balls. water ain't cutting it
5: man oh shit mm. let's do it one more time i i didn't i wasn't recording <laughs> <laughs>